Welcome to this week's energy show. There are two financial benefits for you if you put solar on your business or home rooftop. The first is a 30% investment tax credit, and that tax credit goes to zero at the end of next year for homeowners. It goes down to 10% for business owners. The second incentive, which is probably even bigger, is something called net metering. And net metering are the electric rates that you get from your utility when you have solar panels on your roof. And these two incentives combined, right you know, here in California, bring your simple paybacks for a regular rooftop solar system down into the five to 10 year range. Sometimes it's even faster. So it's significant. And you, know, you can obviously understand you get you're saving money on your electric bill. Many homeowners go from like a two or three hundred dollar electric bill down to 20 bucks, saving a few hundred dollars every month. So that really adds up. Customers often can completely wipe out a three or four hundred dollar bill. So net metering is that incentive that you're going to get for the 25-year lifespan of your rooftop solar power system. Now, net metering's been around here in California since the mid-90s, and, you know, it's it's an incentive that's been around uh, for many years in other states also. All the other states that I've done business in around the country have some kind of net metering program. So technically, here's how it works. During the day, when your solar power system on your roof generates more electricity than your house uses, then the excess electricity goes backwards through the meter, and the numbers on the meter actually go down. The meter has a little display on it here. We have smart meters, and it actually says received. So from the utility's perspective, they're receiving power from you. If it's cloudy or at night, the meter goes forward as it normally does, and the little display will say delivered. So sometime in the morning when you know, the family's up and you're, you're using some electricity, the meter's going to be going forward. But as the sun starts coming up, your system generates more and more power. And actually, at some point, the meter is going to stop. It's just going to kind of go be a balance. And then as the sun goes up a little bit higher, your meter starts running backwards. And you can accumulate some pretty significant credits. Obviously, in the afternoon, the meter slows down going backwards and then just starts going forwards again. And obviously, also at night, you're not generating any solar power. You're just using electricity normally as you would in any home. So basically what net metering does is it makes the grid function very similar to a battery. Now you could also have batteries to store your power. And the problem with batteries is A, they're expensive and B, they wear out. So it's not a very cost effective thing for you to do to store your own power in batteries. What's really elegant, really efficient, zero heat loss, zero extra cost is just to use the grid as that battery. And obviously, when you're running power, sending power backwards through the meter, where's that power going? It's going up to the utility wires, and it's the first place that electron's going to stop and be used is at your neighbor's house. So it's very efficient. So literally, you'll have thousands in a neighborhood of little generating stations where every little home or every business is sending a little bit of power back onto the grid. And that really does a great job of balancing the grid. It's a good thing. And just imagine what happens on a really hot day, and I've seen this happen here in California, really hot, sunny afternoon, your solar system's cranking out. But guess what? All of your neighbors who don't have solar are cranking their air conditioner. So you're sending power back into your neighborhood's little grid, whereas everybody else is using it. It turns out to be very efficient. So instead of accumulating these credits and charges on a monthly basis, the utility sends you an annual true-up statement. It's kind of silly to charge you money, let's say, 
$50 in December and then for them to write you a $50 check in June when you're running the meter backwards because it's a lot sunnier. They just kind of do billing on an annual basis. And what happens normally is people will have a small bill. Let's say your bill used to be, just pick a number, $200 a month, $2,400 a year. Maybe your bill goes down to $50 a month or $600 a year. Instead of paying $50 every month, what happens is they just bill you that's $600 at the end of the year. It's very elegant. So at the end of the year, you can see how much you saved. And many solar companies like Cinnamon Solar will do some estimates and give you a pretty good idea what that's going to be. So very elegant, very simple process. Now, that's great for homeowners and great for consumers, great for businesses who have solar. But from the utilities perspective, their revenue is less. They basically see less money coming from their customers. Not a good thing. Why? Well, that's kind of how they're able to generate profits. From a solar owner's perspective, why should they pay more money to the utility when they can generate the same amount of power for themselves and less money? So the way that net metering got started in California and most other states is it starts off kind of with a a relatively small cap. The utilities say, okay, you can put solar in up until half a percent of the people have solar or one percent of the people have solar or two percent. And those caps typically kind of go up. Right now, the net metering cap in California is five percent. So when the total amount of solar generation equals five percent of the peak usage, then the utilities in California can say, "Eh, no more net metering. And we're expecting to get to that point sometime next year. And that's really what we're going to be talking about, the situation here in California and also the situation in a lot of other states. Now, I really like net metering because it's very simple and it's very fair. It's also very efficient. There's no special equipment. There's no special meter you need. Everything is just kind of automatic. The utilities all have the billing systems in place. So it's very elegant. It's basically just a billing mechanism. And most of the studies I've seen show that the benefits are greater than the costs. And certainly from a consumer standpoint, whether you're a business or a homeowner, you can kind of do the math yourself and say, gee, I can buy a rooftop solar system and generate electricity for whatever amount of electricity I can generate for less money than it's going to cost me to continue to buy the electricity from the utility. And one of the reasons why is because you own that system, the maintenance for 25 years is usually zero or included with the equipment, and there's no central transmission systems, no generating, you know, extra generation equipment the utility has to put in place, no transformers on the roof for wires to maintain. It's kind of all done locally, and it's very simple, and it's just durable. Now, for those reasons, there's been a lot of studies that show that net metering saves ratepayers, saves homeowners, saves businesses money. There's a lot of benefits. I mean, one, uh, you generate cheap electricity during the day, especially during peak hours. And here's kind of a nuance that you may not know about is the cost for a utility to deliver power to you changes during the day. And the reason is at peak times, you know, around in the afternoons, especially during weekday afternoons when it's hot, homes and businesses have air conditioning cranking and everybody's active, lights are on, et cetera, et cetera. So they need to generate a lot of power then. And what they do at those points is they start to run their least efficient power plants. They may buy hydroelectricity from Canada or from other states. So the utilities actually pay a lot more for electricity during peak times. And coincidentally... Solar, especially when solar is kind of on the southwest roof, is generating the most power during those peak hours. So from an overall grid perspective, when you need it the most, 
you're getting the most solar power. And here's kind of an interesting anecdote. It's been really super, super dry. There's been a drought in California, so we don't have a lot of hydro. Normally in California, we have reservoirs and we're generating a lot of power from hydroelectricity, you know, generators in dams on these hot afternoons. Well, there's no water in the reservoirs, so we can't run those. And ordinarily, we would be completely stuck here in California with rolling blackouts because it would be very hard to get all that power, or the rates would skyrocket as they did back in 2001. Well, what's happened is we've installed so much solar capacity in California that there have been really no problems with the grid. Even though there was no hydro, the solar in the state has really more than made up for that. So Lots of cheap electricity from solar. There's less infrastructure that needs to be installed by the utilities. And when I'm talking about infrastructure, you know, you just kind of look outside and you see all those utility lines and power poles and, and transformers all around your neighborhood. And then you drive down the highway and you see these big, big power generating plants. Those are all very expensive and they need to be installed to meet our increasing demands for electricity. Well, the other way of doing it is instead of putting in one, you know, big power plants for cities, we can put in thousands and thousands of little tiny power plants on rooftops that don't really require any extra infrastructure. So we've been talking about some of the basic cost benefits. You also have clean air benefits, and that's just benefiting everybody. So I mentioned that there's studies that show that net metering saves ratepayers money, and some of these studies have been done by public utility commissions or PUCs, and these are the organizations, the government organizations in states that manage the utilities, manage the electric utilities, the gas utilities, the phones, things like that. And there's also been many, many studies from the solar industry itself or sponsored by the solar industry that really come out showing that net metering on a net basis saves ratepayers money. But I have to admit, some of these studies may not be entirely objective. On the other hand, there's been a number of studies from utility interests that come to exactly the opposite conclusion. The big claim is that there's cost shifting. They say that people with rooftop solar get access to the grid for free. They're not paying for their full grid charges. And, you know, to a certain degree, that is true. You're not spending as much money on the utility. But on the other hand, you're actually giving the utility excess electricity during the day when that electricity would be the most expensive. So when I kind of look at these studies, I see that solar customers, they do indeed pay less, but almost no customer at all is paying zero. I'm not aware of a single customer that we've had in California that actually has a zero bill. There's always even a $5 a month fixed charge plus whatever net electricity you use for the year. So there's always some charges from my perspective when I kind of look at it. That should be plenty to cover whatever grid maintenance services you pay for the year. I mean, my house, I still pay three or $400 a year for my net electricity, the meter charge, plus whatever excess a month. So that does go to support the grid infrastructure. Now, the real problem with net metering from a utilities perspective is it just threatens their business model. And the way utilities make money is they are guaranteed. Now, think about this. This is a monopoly. This is a monopoly. And the monopoly is guaranteed a 10% rate of return on their net assets. Some utilities get even more than 10%. So let's say they have $10 billion worth of assets. They're guaranteed to get a profit of a billion dollars no matter what they do. So when they see their revenues 
from selling electricity go down, it actually could affect their ability to generate those profits. So it really does kind of threaten their business model. Yeah, no surprise. It's now cheaper to generate electricity on your house than it is to buy from utility. Lots and lots of things like that happen as technology evolves in our society. So also what happens is the more rooftop solar that goes in, the less generating equipment, the fewer power stations, the fewer power lines, the the fewer transformers that they get to put in. Now, when they install that equipment, that infrastructure, they get a rate of return on those assets. Well, if they don't need to put that infrastructure in, that return kind of goes down. Fewer assets, less profits. And so there's this cycle that the utilities are kind of faced with, and it's not a good perspective. It's not good from a business perspective because they see their customers finding an alternative way to buy their product. We're getting our electricity on our roof instead of buying it from you. And they're also seeing fewer and fewer customers that are going to be supporting all the equipment and they're putting in less infrastructure. They're building fewer assets, which is going to cut back the profit. And that's, that's a problem. Well, my take on the whole thing is utilities provide a terrific function. They should earn a profit. They provide a good service. It's reliable. They have great workers. You get power at night. But when the electric rates were determined, they were calculated to allow utilities to get a 10% profit, 10% rate of return. So the simplest solution is to continue with net metering and maybe shave 10% off of that and say, okay, utilities, you know, here's your profit off of the net metering bill. Let's say your home's bill was $2,000 for the year and now it's zero. Well, we're not going to charge you zero. We're going to charge you 10% of $2,000 or $200. You can do that with a small charge in a monthly bill. And I think that's the fairest, most elegant way because the electric rates have already been negotiated and calculated. So the process to change these rates is torturous. It's slow. It's expensive. The utilities have lots of lawyers. And and guess who pays for these lawyers? The ratepayers. The solar industry is incredibly undergunned when it comes to this, but the solar industry has kind of been growing and now we've got the ability to, to defend ourselves to a limited degree. On the other hand, but what really is the biggest benefit is we have hundreds of thousands of solar customers who are becoming angry and up in arms about their ability to continue to get net metering. So there's this ongoing battle between utilities whose business models threaten because their customers are going away and the customers, the solar customers who have net metering and the new customers who are looking to put in net metering. Now, I've been observing over the past 15 years or so three what I call dirty tricks to keep you, you as a homeowner, you as a business owner from going solar. Yeah, the one obvious one is eliminate net metering because that's the biggest ongoing financial incentive that people have. The other thing that they can do, the other thing that utilities try and do is they change the electric rates or add fixed costs or add demand charges, peak demand charges. When you use, when you plug in your electric vehicle, your electric usage spikes, they may put in a charge for that. So they'll add charges. Or what they do, and this is kind of a common playbook, is they just make solar more expensive by making it really complicated to get connected to the utility, by making it take three to six months, by asking you to put in some special equipment, by delaying it. And that's what many utilities do. You know, I have to take my hat off and compliment PG&E. PG&E is one of the most enlightened utilities, not that they're incredibly in favor of net metering on the contrary, but they are the, the best utility that I've encountered in terms of making it easy to to interconnect. And to be fair, the utilities are only trying to protect their own business. And, and that's you know, what the management and the utilities have been hired to do is to maximize profits. Unfortunately, their goal to maximize profits comes at the expense of 
homeowners who have to pay more electricity. It comes at the expense of the growing solar industry. This is a very organized battle against net metering all over the U.S. The utilities everywhere in the country are trying to overturn net metering. Many of these efforts are funded by organizations like the Koch brothers. and They've got billions of dollars. This is an oil and gas conglomerate. Very, very politically active, and they're sponsoring legislation all over the country and paying lobbyists and paying lawyers to overturn net metering. A lot of these efforts are also spearheaded by the Edison Electric Institute. This is the utility organization that lobbies and does studies on behalf of the utility industry. Truth be told, the solar industry also has something called Solar Energy and Solar Energy Industries Association. There's also local state chapters, but we're tiny compared to the utilities and the Koch brothers and the Edison Electric Institute. Now, these organizations who are anti-solar have also contributed to something called ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. What ALEC has been doing is sponsoring model legislation in every state, in every utility district, saying, you know, we should change net metering because it's bad for consumers, it's bad for retired people, and, you know, these solar people are cost-shifting. It's completely wrong. So anyway, let's just, in the time we have left, skip through some examples. I mean, this has been happening in almost every state where solar is popular. Recently in Nevada, there's a group called the Nevada Ratepayers Advocate, and this is a, a lobbying group that's on behalf of ratepayers that's been objecting to the utilities in Nevada stopping net metering. And there's a big battle where the Nevada Energy Utility announced that they hit their net metering cap, and they, boom, one day said, oh, no more solar projects. And this kind of called a halt to net metering Suddenly, and one of the biggest installers, Vivint, actually pulled out of Nevada. A lot of solar installers lost their jobs. They went on unemployment. But luckily, the Nevada Public Utilities Commission restored net metering at least till the end of the year where they're going to kind of do some calculations, figure out how to go forward on that. Same basic thing happened in Arizona. There's the Public Utility Commission there. It's called the Arizona Corporation Commission. And the utilities wanted to change the net metering reimbursement rate instead of the retail rate, which in Arizona is around 12 cents a kilowatt hour, to the wholesale rate, which is six. So basically what that does is it doubles the payback for homeowners in Arizona who are thinking about going for net metering. And let me mention and remind you that usually what happens is when these net metering rules change, it it changes for people who don't have solar, but the people who usually already have solar are grandfathered in. Same thing happened in Hawaii. Hawaii Electric Company or HECO basically put their foot down and said no more solar. Public Utilities Commission in Hawaii said that's not fair. And they kind of opened it up again. Colorado with XL Energy wanted to reduce the net metering rate to a nickel a kilowatt hour from the current about 10 or 12 cents. Same thing got overturned. So what's lucky is that the voters, the existing solar customers, the solar industry, they're able to convince the Public Utilities Commission that, you know, gee, net metering is good for society. It's good for ratepayers. And, you know, it's something that we want for clean air. So that brings us to California and obviously all the listeners here at KLIV. There's over 54,000 solar workers in California. That's more than all the utilities combined. And the rules in California right now are when the number of people on solar get to 5% of the peak demand, that's a 5% net metering cap, that's when the utilities no longer have to accept new solar customers. And at the rate we're going, it looks like that net metering cap, that 5% cap, is going to be hit sometime in mid-2016. So, you know, it's like about a year from now. 
That's not very long. Now, as I mentioned before, all the existing customers are going to be grandfathered, but the new customers are going to be looking at economics, looking at a payback that is like less than half as good as it is now. I kind of ran some basic numbers, and based on what had been proposed by the utilities, the simple payback for a system, which right now, you know, for many of our customers here in Silicon Valley, six or seven years, it's going to go to over 20 years. That's going to dramatically slow down the growth of the solar industry. And, yeah, the utilities are going to like it because, ah, now we can start building power plants again. Now we can add more infrastructure. Now we can be more profitable. And, you know, ratepayers are going to pay more. Not a good thing. So there's a big battle in California, and we're going to talk about how that's evolving in a minute. Now, the thing to remember is that there's just so many people that are employed in the solar industry, and there's so many people that already have solar. What I want you to do, you know, this is not something that is just kind of being handled by other people. This is a call to action for homeowners who have solar, for people who are thinking about solar, to you know, participate in lobbying and talk to your legislator, talk to your state representative, say, hey, you know, the solar is a good thing. We like the fact that our electric bill is lower. We like the fact that we have clean air. If net metering goes away, it's going to negatively affect our economy. And you look at how many jobs have been created, how much new technology is going on in California. I mean, whether they're solar panels or inverters or smart grid or software or things like that, it's all related to more efficient generation and use of electricity. So pay attention to the emails you may get from your solar installer. Pay attention to your solar industry colleagues and don't be passive. So I'm going to call out to everybody in the solar industry itself. Please support your local state solar chapter. Here in California, it's CalSIA. Most other states have also a state SIA chapter. Obviously, if you're one of the bigger companies or uh, participate on the national level, you want to support the National SIA, the National Solar Energy Industries Association. And there's one other organization that's just been super active when it comes to lobbying for net metering, and that's an organization called Vote Solar. So pay attention to the emails that you may get from these entities, these organizations, and support them. Make sure you're a member. Make sure that you're responding to their emails for lobbying and send emails to your legislators and your public utilities commission. Now, as a consumer, a lot of times you say, hey, this is stuff that's happening in Washington, D.C. or Sacramento. What the heck can I do? Well, there is something you can do. And what you can do, at least here in California, is take advantage of the good deal for solar that you can get right now. Sometime in mid-2016, PG&E is going to hit their 5% net metering cap, and we in the industry are lobbying to extend that, but it doesn't look like it's going to be extended as well as it has been in the past. So what's going to happen is when they hit that cap, there's going to be a new deal for net metering. It's not going to be as good as the arrangement you get right now. In other words, there's going to be more charges or the reimbursement rate's going to be lower, and that's a sure thing. So what you want to do to get the best economics for solar is make sure you get that system installed and interconnected before that net metering cap is hit. And unlike the ITC, which expires at the end of 2016, December 31st, 2016, we don't know exactly when the utilities are going to hit that cap. So it's kind of a blurry target. So you don't want to think you're going to get connected and then find out, oh, the application got sent in a week after the rules change. So be careful with that. So those two things, 
strongly suggest you take advantage of the deal for solar now. And then also, you've got until the end of 2016 for the ITC, but I believe that the net metering cap is going to be hit before then. Well, that's all the time we've got on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. (music) 